Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and what I am going to do is read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And for those of you that do not know, I am the content creator, founder, and the creator of the Dear Future Hubby podcast. So, I've been on here. It is coming up in just a few days for two years since January the, I believe it was the 8th, but according to... Spotify, it was January the 7th. So in between that time frame, um, I literally have been on here for almost two years. And a lot has taken place in a two-year time. But before I get started on that, because I will go on a tangent if I am not careful, um, I'm going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong Will Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. So I am going to share this poem entitled My Future Husband aka My Future Hubby. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know aka means also known as. So here we go. His countenance makes him handsome from the inside out his character is genuine and me he'll deeply care about not concerned about the outer he longs to know my heart he will listen attentively missing me whenever we are apart he has a good sense of humor and God he fears him so he will seek his face daily he will, his will is his desire. He is monogamous without a doubt. The two of us becoming one. He will be concerned about my feelings. With him, there is no comparison. He will be a wonderful provider, romantic just the same. He will always think of me. He will give me his last name. Our foundation will be built on God, both desiring to do his will. I dream of being by his side. His presence I will adore. So I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. This episode is going to be a little more transparent than you may think that I am. But it also, it, it might be a little more hard to swallow for the lack of a better way of stating it. So what I wanted to do is take a moment to, first of all, acknowledge that I am a divorced mother of six beautiful children. And I have one gorgeous grandson, Amar. And what I also want to acknowledge is that as a divorced woman I have the desire to remarry someday now there have been moments through the course of the journey of my singleness that I have 
gone back and forth in terms of if I truly want to remarry or not. And it's because of my coming into a better knowledge of what marriage really truly entails. So um, for those of you who do not know what I tend to do, I try to make sure that when I use words that you may not hear on a daily basis, that I at least try to take a moment to provide a definition so that we are all on the same page. So entails is spelled E-N like Nancy, T like E like Eddie, N like Nancy, T like Tom, A like Apple, I like ink, L like Larry, S like Sam. And, well, that entails, my bad, entail is without the S, okay? <laughs> so, it means involve something as a necessary or inevitable part of, a part or consequence. So, inevitable means to happen, unavoidable. So frequently experienced or seen that it is completely predictable. And predictable means able to be predicted or foreseen. Um, and some of these, well, actually all of them, these definitions can be found in the Oxford Languages Dictionary or the dictionary of your preference. I just tend to use the Oxford Languages Dictionary. And so the reason for my wanting to share this is because what I'm about to talk about is marriage and being a divorcee, I could tell you it's a whole lot that I did wrong. Um, and it, that's another reason why I wanted to talk about it because, um, because of what I did wrong and how I went about courting or the lack thereof my ex husband, um, the desire to be married never faltered. It never, ever faltered. I've always had a desire to be married. So even after a failed marriage, I still desire marriage. And so the definition for falter, F like Frank, A like Apple, L like Larry, T like Tom, E like Eddie, R like Robert, is start to lose strength or momentum. So I never lost my desire or momentum to be married. I literally acknowledged the failure of that marriage. I did my best to learn lessons from the failure of the marriage. I have tried to apply a lot of the things in terms of not just my relationship with my ex-husband, but even in dating, I have tried to apply some of the lessons that I learned so that I would not repeat the same mistakes. Now, I am the first one to tell you I don't always make a hundred. That is one of the reasons why I sincerely wholeheartedly believe that communication is vital in any healthy relationship. That the only way that you are literally going to be able to build on any kind of foundation, whether it be your foundation in God or whether it be just your foundation in general, the only way that I believe that you are going to be able to be successful in that arena is if you actually take the time out to communicate to your future partner, current partner, life partner, spouse, 
whatever you want to call them, boo bay, whatever you want to call them, that the only way that you can actually build is to have and to keep the lines of communication open. None of us are mind readers. Last I checked, even though people do tend to try to hold that title in a lot of ways, we cannot read each other's minds. We can only pay attention to one another's actions. And even by paying attention to other people's actions, you may not make a 100 when it comes to what you are observing. So the best way to kind of eliminate some of the confusion, in my opinion, is to communicate. So communication. The definition of this word it is spelled C like cat, O like Oscar, M like Michael, M like Michael, U like umbrella, N like Nancy, I like ink, C like coach, A like apple, T like Tom, I like ink, O like Oscar, N like Nancy. It is the imparting of or exchanging of information or news that is communicating. It's a means of sending or receiving information such as phone lines or computers. What? You can communicate via the phone and computer? Yes, you can. So there is no excuse to say, I just don't know how to communicate. To me, that is an excuse. And for those of you who do not know what the word excuse is, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. So here we go. Excuse. So. The excuse definition is to attempt to lessen the blame attaching to a fault or offense, seeking to defend or justify one's actions. An excuse is E like Eddie, X like X-ray, C like cat, U like umbrella, S like Sam and E like Eddie. So excuse also means to release someone from a duty or requirement, a reason or explanation put forward to defend or to justify a fault or an offense. And for those of you who don't know what offense means, O-F-F-E-N-S-E, -E, it is a breach of a new or a breach of a law or rule, an illegal act, annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or disregard for oneself or one's standards or principles. Offense. Keep that word offense in mind because we're going to talk about it on today. So what I wanted to delve into, which might be a little bit strange for some, especially if you are not a Bible reader, um, I wanted to kind of break down my observation and what I have taken from a particular passage in the Bible. And the only reason why I'm doing this is because I have been studying the actions of wives, both present and past. So present day meaning, you know, people that are right now before me and then past in terms of wives that were in the Bible. And one of the reasons being is because I feel like history does have a tendency to repeat itself. And as I'm going through this journey of life, I have a desire to be a wife again someday. And I am mindful of the type of wife that I do desire to be. And so I try to pay attention to a lot of the I'm gonna call them characters in the Bible for the sake of just saying that. 
Um, so I try to pay attention to some of the characters in the Bible. And this particular character in the Bible, I keep thinking about. And so I wanted to delve deeper into her character. And I wanted to try to look at things from maybe her perspective. I might not get 100% because I am not a Bible scholar. But I wanted to take time out to really and truly look a little deeper into this. And to see if the past wife that I was, the old version of myself, um, if I had some of those characteristics. Not only that, I want to make sure that um, I just want to be mindful. I want to be mindful that I am going to bring more positive into my next union than negative. So part of my doing that is self-reflecting and part of my self-reflecting is observing. So the passage is in the book of Esther, E-S-T-H-E-R, and the chapter is 1, 12 through 20. And I literally am going to read this from the Message Bible, but I'm going to say to this to you all right now that um, even am I reading this from the Message Bible, I need... Um, let me see. One moment, please. Okay, so what I need to do is just take a moment and I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. And we're going to go from there. So let me see. All right, so here we go. But Queen, oh, it's um, Esther 1, 12 through 20. But Queen Vashti, and it might be pronounced Vashti, so for those of you that are extra, extra critical, charge it to my head and not my heart, please and thank you. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce these words the best way I can, and I promise you, I am not guaranteed to get 100. Okay, let's let's go again. But Queen Vashti refused to come. Refu oh, let me back up. So there was a king. His name was um, King Xerxes. And he was having this royal ball. And I am paraphrasing. He was, um, he, he was having this royal ball. And in the course of him having this royal ball, he had invited, like at first he invited all the royal people. He did that for a long period of time. I, I believe it was around six months. And then toward the end of the royal ball, he had pretty much, he wanted to show everyone how wealthy he was. And, you know, he drank the finest wines and had the greatest parties and all of that. And this went on for about six months. And Toward the end, instead of him only invite him only inviting the royal people, he decided to open up his home to everyone around. So, and that was going to be for a time frame of seven days. So that took place. He entertained all of those people. And then on the very last night when he realized I have pretty much nothing else to brag about, I have nothing else to show, I have nothing else to show the people that I possess. Um you know what? I have one more beautiful prize possession, and that is my gorgeous wife, Queen Vashti or Vashti. Um, v like Victor, A S H T I. So here we go. But Queen Vashti refused to come. 
Oh, because he asked her to come to him. So, um, she refused to come, refused the summons delivered by the eunuchs. The king lost his temper, seething with anger over her insolence. The king called in his counselors, all experts in legal matters. It was the king's practice to consult the, his expert advisors, those closest to him, were Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Medes, Marcina, and Memucan, the seven highest ranking princes, prince is of Persia and Media, the inner circle with access to the king's ear. He asked them what legal recourse they had against Queen Vashti for not obeying King Xerxes' summons delivered by the eunuchs. So for those of you who don't know, I'm going to um, let you know what eunuchs are. And eunuchs, let me spell that, is E-U-N-U-C-H. And what they are, it is a man who has been castrated especially in the past, one who was employed to guard the women living, er their women's living areas in certain courts. Um, so it says, what does it mean when a man is a eunuch? So pretty much this man was not able to utilize his manly parts. But he was used to protect the women. So that's what a eunuch is. All right. So going back to this scripture. Memekan spoke up in the council of the king and princes. It's not only the king Queen Vashti has insulted. It's all of us, leaders and people alike, and every last one of King Xerxes' provinces. The world's going to get out. The word, I'm sorry, is going to get out. Did you hear the latest about Queen Vashti? King Xerxes ordered her to be brought before him, and she wouldn't do it. When the women hear it, they'll start treating their husbands with contempt. Now, let's look up the word contempt. So, contempt by definition. Now, remember, whenever you're reading um, passages from the Bible, because it was written so long ago, certain words that we use now, may it may be different because of the language that was used, like Hebrew and, and things like that back in the day. But this is what we're going to work with today. It says contempt is the feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless or deserving scorn, disregard for something that should be taken into account. So keep that in mind. Keep all of that in mind in terms of when you're thinking about or when you're um, listening to this, how her not acknowledging him or reverencing his request how that made him feel okay so let me go back so he sought counsel on how to handle that because he felt disrespected 
So, um, the world's going, the word's going to get out. Did you hear the latest about Queen Vashti? King Xerxes ordered her to be brought before him and she wouldn't do it. When the women hear it, they'll start treating their husbands with contempt, disregarding their husbands. And I got that out of the Oxford Languages Dictionary. Um, the day the wives of the Persian and Mede officials get wind of the queen's bra brazeness or brazenness, B-R-A-Z-E-N-N-E-S-S. -S. Let me look that up too, because this literally is my first time I believe seeing that word. So brazeness or brazenness. So that means marked by shameless or disrespectful boldness, a brazen disregard for the rules. Okay. And braze, um, brazenly is an adverb and then brazenness. So behavior in which someone does something in a very obvious way without trying to hide it. That's what brazenness means. And I got that from the Miriam M E R R I A M dash Webster.com. I got that online there. Okay. So they'll be out of control. So pretty much what they said is the day the wives of the Persian and media officials get wind of the queen's braziness. Um, they'll be out of control. Is that what we want? A country of angry women who don't know their place. So if the king agrees, let him pronounce a royal ruling and have it recorded in the laws of the Persians and Medes so that it cannot be revoked. That Vashti is permanently banned from King Xerxes' presence and then let the king give her royal position to a woman who knows her place. When the king's ruling becomes public knowledge throughout the kingdom, extensive as it is, Every woman, regardless of her social position, will show proper respect to her husband. So I don't feel like I'm going to have all the time in the world to talk about this on today uh, because I try to keep these episodes short and sweet. But one thing that I wanted to talk about was or ask the question is, was Queen Vashti in the wrong? So when I went to and went to the extent of actually studying about her, and learning a little bit about their culture. What I don't believe was truly conveyed in this passage is that what King Xerxes was really doing was violating her culture. So in her culture, you could not go before a strange man or any man. Um, and who knows, there could have been other people present, but if they gave us the impression that it was really just a lot of different men of different stature present and that he wanted to show off his wife. However, the way that it has been interpreted as I'm reading some of these interpretations is that he wanted her to be fully exposed or for the lack of a better way of putting it, indisposed, completely naked, only wearing the crown on her head. So he wanted to display her absolute beauty and he wanted to display her absolute nakedness in front of these strange men. Now, I've heard in the Bible where it says that when you are married, the marriage is undefiled. So, meaning undefiled or the meaning of undefiled is 
let me see. Undefiled. So it means no defiled. It means pure. So according to scripture, when you get married, your bed is pure. However, this was a king that I'm sure was not, was used to having nice things. He had been drinking. He was married. And in a lot of ways, it sounds like to me, he was easily influenced by the people that were surrounded, the people that he consulted with on a regular basis. He trusted their judgment. And so in his trusting their judgment, he was like, you know, I've shown y'all just about everything I have possession of. I've shared all of my wealth with you in one way, form or fashion. But what I haven't shared with you is my wife. And so he literally summoned her, called for her to come with wearing only her crown. When word got to her through the eunuch, she refused his summons. That embarrassed him. That infuriated him. That angered him. Because she literally rebuked him openly. And by rebuking him, he wanted her to pay. Now, if you continue to read the passage, it talks about how after he pretty much, and I'm paraphrasing, came to himself, he had a change of heart. Maybe he had had an opportunity to reflect on how he treated her. Maybe he realized I was actually the one in the wrong because I'm causing her to violate her culture. And I'm violating her culture in my drunken state. That's exactly what I was doing. Unaware and not really in my not clothed in my right mind at the time. Now, depending on how far you want to take it, I look at that as a form of abuse. He was abusing the right of being her covering and literally took a stance of uncovering her for the sake of selfish gain to pump himself up because he was king. As a wife, how do you handle that? Was she truly in the wrong for saying absolutely not, knowing very well that she could lose her position as queen? Was she sober-minded when she said absolutely not? Because of some of the research that I've researched, she was actually accustomed to walking around her chambers or wherever she was at um, in, a, in disposed naked. She loved her body. And many people that were surrounding her observed her on a regular basis and saw that she was very, very proud of the create the creature that she was. But when her husband said, I need you to show off that I'm going to add my little two sis to it, sexy body of yours to the whole world. She said, absolutely not. Because even if the bed is undefiled, and this is me for a moment sitting in her chair, so to speak, even if our bed is undefiled as husband and wife and we can include whomever we want whenever, I'm not going to violate my culture for the sake of feeding your ego. Not going to do it. Whether I stay the queen or not, 
this is where I draw the line in the sand. Could it be that she created a boundary? And because she created that boundary while they were still husband and wife, it made him feel some type of way. It embarrassed him. It made him angry because in his mind, your body is my body and I can show whoever I want your body. And you shouldn't have anything to say about it other than yes, king. Could it be that she was so infuriated and embarrassed that this is my king and you don't have enough respect for me to keep me covered even if you're in front of a lot of people, even if you're in the presence of a lot of people? Could it be that she felt some type of way as well? Because it was like, really? Really, Xerxes, you mean to tell me that you are willing to stoop to any level necessary to make yourself remain relevant? Really? So after I did my research, and I'm still researching because I'm quite frankly intrigued. It's a lot of ways that I could look at this. But one of the things that I have tried to be mindful of is that if it be within the will of God, Maybe one day I will be in a situation where I am a man's wife. How will I operate in public with this man? Even if there are times that I feel like he is blatantly disrespecting me. Where he is blatantly un keeping me uncovered. Because sometimes whether we want to keep it real or not. People are going to do what they want to do, married or not. And so I've been taking time out to ask myself, what would that look like? Whether he did it intentionally or unintentionally, how would I carry myself as a woman of God, as a woman with integrity? Would I cover him even if he's not covering me? Because maybe in that moment, Queen Vashti, Felt like that's what she was doing. And she was willing to sacrifice her queendomship to keep her husband covered. And maybe, just maybe, even in her doing that, when he realized that she was in the right and he was in the wrong, instead of stroking his ego as a king, in my opinion, maybe he should have performed with a public apology. Maybe that's when he could have reiterated the boundaries and owned up to where he erred in his summons for his wife to appear in just her crown. We'll never know because it's a story in the Bible. But I just wanted to take a moment to address that because a lot of times, and I've seen it done I've even seen it done where the roles are reversed and it's the queen disrespecting the king. And maybe from our perspective, we look at it as disrespect. Or maybe she is as being as candid as she can in correcting him in love the best way that she knows how in the presence of others. Because a lot of times we really don't know the backdrop. We only know what we see. So I wanted to talk about it. I hope you don't mind. I most likely will try to elaborate on it later again on another episode. But yeah, 
was Queen Vashti in the wrong? I hope y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But please, please, please do me a huge favor and take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye. And thank you so much for listening.